Ma'am, do you want to make a phone call? Oh, no. Are you sure? Oh, no. Come on, you no. We set up a phone booth asking people when's the last time that you just called your mom. Yeah. And just told her that you love her. Just to tell her I love her? Yeah. Oh, it's been a while. This one's the last time we talked to your mom. Uh, it's like five minutes ago. Oh, so I call my mom every day. Nuh-uh. That's awesome. I'll That's call awesome. Her. Can I call her? Yeah, let's okay. do it. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. Hey, it'll make her day no matter what. Just call her? Yeah, you just call her and just whatever whatever you want to say that would make her night. <laughs> Hey, Mom, it's me. Hey, Mama, how are you? What up, what up, Ma? How you doing? Hola, Ma. Hola, Mija. Hi, Mommy. Hey, Mom, it's me, Trent. I'm actually inside of a telephone booth that they set up to encourage people to call their mothers. I'm calling to tell you that I love you. That's the only reason I was thinking about I you today. I love you, too. Oh, you're welcome. Hold on, let me put this on the tape recorder. Let me... <laughs> Oh, thank you. Are you going to call me for the next few days and do the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be just Mother's Day that I call you and tell you how special you are to me. I just wanted to say I love you and thank you for everything you do for me and Jalen. Oh, I love you too, baby. You're so sweet. I'm going to give you a big hug when I see you, okay? Okay. Hey, Mama. I just wanted to call and say I love you and I really, really, really appreciate you. And I know you're super busy, but you always have time for me. And I really appreciate that. I love you so, so much, Mommy, and I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful day. Te amo. That I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I'm at in life right now without you. So. Oh, I appreciate that, Sarah. I love you. I love you, too. Mama. Uh-huh. I love you. I love you, baby. Just wanted to tell you I love you and thank you for everything. I was about to get emotional. Oh, well, baby, well, you're welcome. That's what mother's so far. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to tell you I love you and happy Mother's Day. Thank you, honey. I really love you, too. Well, you can go now. I think I'll just go and cry. Actually, shooting a video for Mother's Day. <laughs> and my own speaker. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, Mom. Okay. Bye, sweetie. Bye. <laughs> yes, very nice. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us now over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.
Good to have you with us here this morning. And again, good morning to those at our campuses over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And happy Mother's Day to all you wonderful moms. Give it up for the moms this morning. Wasn't that a, a nice video before the, you know, I, the whole time, though, all I kept thinking was, when was the last time you ever saw a phone booth? <laughs> I presume that's an old video. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that was cute. That was very nice. And if you haven't called your mom today, make sure that you give her a call. Uh, so glad that all of you are here worshiping with us. A special day, a wonderful day. It's springtime, theoretically. Uh, Wisconsin slowly catches up. You know, we do a lot of traveling. You have no idea. I think most people in Wisconsin have no idea what spring is actually like. Because the rest of the country actually has green, full trees and flowers and everything. We're still in crawling out of the bowels of death of winter here. But that's all right. I always say in Wisconsin, we have summer, fall, winter, and mud. But uh, we'll climb out of it eventually, and uh, it'll be a wonderful thing. Summers <laughs> will be here by the time spring shows up. Anyway, and this morning, Bishop Ed is in the house, and I've asked him to come and give us his Mother's Day message for us. Would you please welcome my brother, Bishop Ed Gunger. Well, you know, that video kind of started making me cry. And I thought, maybe I do have a soul. <laughs> you know, I feel so cold-hearted. But it actually kind of got to me. <laughs> John's Gospel. Jesus, the scene is Jesus is on the cross. And, of course, the whole of why he came here is coming to the very pinnacle. It's he came to die. And um, all the focus of his life has been here. We have this little beautiful vignette about how his mind in the midst of that moment turns to his mom. We read, sorry, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, which was John, he said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. I just think it's a, a beautiful vignette in the middle of something so dramatically earth-shattering, the end of an age, the beginning of a new creation, that Jesus, in the midst of it, notices his mom and make sure that his mom would be cared for. I think what that just simply says to us is, moms matter. Today, we want to pause and applaud the moms in our context. Um, so I want to begin just talking about, a little bit about some of the, the rough and tumble of men and women being together in the world. Uh, and let me start with a controversial question. We uh, always call God Father, but could we call God Mother? In Isaiah 66, we get these little vignettes. They're scattered, really, like, like 
glitter of gold throughout the text of scripture, but here he says, as a mother, this is 66.33 of Isaiah, as a mother comforts a child, so will I comfort you. What he's saying is there's something that, whatever that connection is within a mom to her children, that came out of me. I have that in me. Presumably the reason women have any of that is because it started first in God, as as the creator. Um, And he says, you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And then in Isaiah 49, he says a similar thing. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And look what God says in response. Can a woman forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? For any of you that have nursed children, you know that you can't forget that baby that's nursing or you might explode. (laughs) He says, though she would forget, I will not forget. Again, God's saying to his people, I get what goes on on the deepest levels of your heart. I get the connections that you have between in your heart and in your life with your children, with people you love, with friendships. I get all that. And the reason you have it is because I get all that. And those things we find out in scripture actually become kind of parables of the kind of care that God has for us. That the father to a child and the mother to a child and a brother to a brother, a sister to a brother, sister, all of those images, friend to friend, all of those are little snapshots or little parables that give us insight into what God feels within himself towards us. God totally gets the nurturing thing, the mothering thing. God is not just the progenitor of Genesis. He was the one that gave birth to Genesis, right? Or birth to creation. Uh, It says in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and deep. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And listen to this phrase. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This, this phrase is unusual because it's, it's, it, it, it's a Hebrew word that means to brood. And it, it nods or signifies this idea of a hen, right? Sort of on, sitting on eggs you know, and brooding, waiting for these eggs to change. So there's a very feminine issue in terms of the animal world. Somehow God is, has this this sort of femininity of staying and abiding with the potential of life that's right there. That that's a very, that's the very characteristic of God. All motherly instincts in women were first present in and originated from God. So technically God is not male or female. Technically God is not father or mother in that sense. He's, he's, Those things just simply came out of God. So theologically, we could call God mother as much as we could call God father. The reason we don't is primarily because of the tradition, uh, not necessarily because of revelation. But my point here is just simply to say, God intends that we honor both male and female both father and mother, both masculinity and femininity, and that we see them as reflections of God to be celebrated and appreciated and enjoyed, not compared or one-upped against each other. In Genesis 1, 
God, the Bible says, and God created a man in his own image, the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the very idea of the image of God isn't just the sex of male, it's male and female. It, that is the image of God. Somehow, both of the sexes, both of the traits of, of masculinity and femininity, these things are all in God and reflect God in the world. The difference in the sexes were reflections of the one God. The differences themselves give us more of the image of God and the face of God. But according to the Genesis narrative, it was precisely these differences that should make us celebrate each other that got flipped and started turning into a battle. The famous battle of the sexes where one gender is trying to dominate the other, that emerged within Genesis. The explanation that's given them, it, given there is that there was some sort of a worm of rebellion that sort of crawled its way into the human condition. And when that happens, men and women uh, who were not designed to fight each other, not designed to try to cover up their differences and fear, uh, began to do that. And differences uh, around that was between men and men, and men and women, and women and women, all those kind of things, instead of, God intended those things to be present. And it's precisely the differences that call us to get past ourselves and to see something other than ourselves and to appreciate and be thankful for it. But instead, we get scared. God loves differences. He didn't just create one kind of fern. There are 14,000 different kinds of ferns. What was he thinking? The problem is, differences have often become fodder for rejection and bias against one another. And disobedience to the divine plan, that's what caused us to attack each other because of our differences versus embracing each other and celebrating those differences. We as human beings, particularly post what's called the fall, where we deviate from the plan of God, we don't negotiate well with our differences. In fact, the first evidence of sin in the human experience, if you read the God in narrative, the minute that they do something that is a failure, they run to the trees and they hide. And then they take fig leaves and they sew them together to cover up. Now here's what's so interesting. They didn't cover up the parts of their body that made them sin. They didn't sew fig leaves around their hands. They didn't sew fig leaves around their fate mouths. They sewed fig leaves around their sexual parts, the parts that were different. One of the problems and the deep manifestations of a brokenness in humanity is we're afraid to be seen. We're afraid to be pointed out as different. And we want our differences to be hid. In our 21st century context, people sometimes want to deal with the inequities and the injustices that come when people exploit differences between the sexes and they want to say there is no difference. But I think that's a mistake because there are differences. Psychologically, differences on a soul level. It, now it's easy to overstate differences to be sure and it's, and it's also easy to overgeneralize but there are differences between the sexes. Sadly, some point to those differences in order to assert that they are better than that one that's different from them, and that is dead wrong. On the masculine side of this, 
just as an example throughout history, the boys have always been trying to beat the girls at anything and everything except at things like child rearing or anything domestic. <laughs> Since the, uh, the dawn of human history, a pro-male anti-feminine bias has been around. 400 years before Jesus, Plato, famous guy, uh, in the Republic records Socrates saying, quote, do you know anything at all practiced among mankind in which the male sex is not far better than the female? End quote. Almost 600 years before Christ, the Buddha uh, lived. And in Buddhism, a person, uh, if a person is reborn as a woman, because they believe in being reincarnated. So if a person is reborn as a woman, it's because they think it was because of bad karma. And one of the Buddhist prayers includes this. I pray that I may be reborn as a male in a future existence, right? Muslim Quran labels the woman half a man. The ancient Jewish view of women is also pretty pale. Jewish men prayed, quote, blessed be God who has not created me as heathen, a slave, or a woman. The Talmud writings add, Quote, it would be better to burn the words of the Torah than to entrust them to a woman. End quote. Just, this is in our history. Gospel of Thomas. This is one of the gospels. You know, we have the four now, but there were scads of documents that were written in those same periods that the church believed were not legit, right? So they kind of passed them by. But we still have them. They're still present. And uh, uh, this one is the Gospel of Thomas. And it's kind of a fragmented book, but the last verse of that gospel reads this. Simon is talking to Jesus. Simon Peter said to Jesus, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male. So that she too may become a living spirit and resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh my God. Well, she just wants you to beat up somebody, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> if you're a woman here, this, you gotta wanna slap somebody, preferably a male. <laughs> See, sadly, one of the only women that was venerated in Christian history uh, is the Virgin Mary. I mean, it's wonderful that we venerate the Virgin Mary, but it, it, it's, it's not, I mean, the reason that she was venerated and why it's a problem is because she was a one of a kind. She's the only woman in the world who became a mother while still remaining and keeping her virginity. I mean, this is just obviously an impossible task for the average girl to pull off. <laughs> But that's the one venerated. Uh, Jesus pointed out to how men of his day mistreated women and diminished their value. And he was talking about divorce and he was basically saying that they would treat divorce as though women were like cattle just with a signature to get her away and uh, you know, completely control the woman's world. Um, and when, when he, they were talking about that, they asked Jesus about it, and this is Jesus' response. Uh, haven't you read in Matthew 19, he replied that at the beginning, the creator made male and female. See what he's saying is, look at, God didn't just make men, right? It wasn't like God says, let me do something great, make a man, oh, accidentally bumping this woman come, and that's something happened. God intended to make men and women and to put honor on both. 
it's Jesus in the ancient world who begins to bring great esteem to women. And, And though onlookers judged him, he continued to minister and care for women. He was not deterred when they would talk to him about why are you talking to that woman or why are you letting that woman touch your feet. Jesus just loved and celebrated the fact that women were engaged in his ministry. Jesus received most of his financial support from women. The text is clear on that. Uh, At the crucifixion, most of his male followers were somewhere else. And uh, they were scattered. It was a woman, the women that were there that attended to Jesus to care for his needs. Uh, As the written gospel appeared, it, it documented the resurrection. And the resurrection, you know, is the cardinal truth, the central truth of Christianity. And but it was first announced through a woman relaying the fact that a woman was the first to report the resurrection would not have been in the best interest of Christianity's expansion. Because women in the ancient world, it was such a rabid patriarchal place, they considered it laughable to hear that a woman was giving some sort of articulation or was the first to announce the gospel message. Women weren't even allowed to testify in courts because they didn't believe that a woman could remember the truth. This is the ancient world. We're not saying, you know, if you grew up in this house like this, it's, that's because they're modeling an ancient world. When we step back from the political and the social scandal that surrounded the view of women all through history, the truth is, in the economy of God, men and women carry equal value. And the Apostle Paul, in an attempt to eliminate discrimination over difference, wrote, this is Galatians 3, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one because of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is screaming, don't make differences create a sort of us-them dialectic. Don't let let the differences make you label people and then distance yourself from those who you think are different because we still belong together. There may be differences between races and differences between classes and differences between the sexes, but those are not grounds for one to upend the other person or for us to be in any way prejudicial to another person. We're supposed to look at differences as points of celebration. Our shared human sameness overrides our differentness. Our differences. Differences do not mean that one is better or one is worse. I mean, I've got a pair of arms here that are different than my pair of legs, but you know, the reality is I want them to get along. <laughs> they are part of this, the one body. They're part of my body. See, the, there is a sameness about my arms and my legs that overrides the difference between my arms and my legs. I don't want to cut them off because they're different. Men and women, uh, as husbands and wives and parents are called to work together as one, as co-equals, even though there are differences. Differences, again, should be celebrated, not quashed, not ignored. And, And I said all that to say this. I want to say there's something wonderful about women in general, and moms in particular. There are things that they bring, what they bring to the table that's different. Uh, There's a way that a woman and a mom reflect the image of God in the world that is not captured by masculinity. 
in terms of marriage and raising children, the nurturing side of femininity is critical for the welfare and the success of the home. Which is to say, ladies, it's an honorable thing to have your marriage and home on the front forefront of your mind and to actually push for more uh, strength there and more intimacy there. In Proverbs 14, it says, the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. What is that saying? Women carry a power to build or to hurt, a power that men recognize but can't replace. My purpose in saying this is, is not to get women back into any kind of traditional roles that society makes up for her or to push every woman into marriage and, and, uh, and child rearing. That's not the point of saying that. My point is to say that the role of wife and mother has great value. And those of you that choose it, however that plays out, should be applauded. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Women have proven, you guys have proven you can manage businesses and you can work alongside men doing any job. I mean, I don't think that we should ever question a woman's ability to do anything. But that being said, being a wife and a mother, deeply challenging, so much so that some women feel like they have to choose between a career, choose before motherhood, such a tough call. Some seem to be able to pull off both, which is pretty amazing. Um, but what I wanna say is that if you choose to enter the arena of marriage and family, just know from a theological perspective, from a Christian perspective, no matter what the history has been, that when you look at the revelation, it matters. That it's worth the energy expended. At the crown of creation, when we read it, right at the beginning, God is, does not make Adam and Eve executives at Earth, Inc. God created a home. God places the greatest honor on home life and responsibilities there. God doesn't call himself the great CEO of creation. He carries the image of father and mother for creation. At the end of the day, life is about our families about our friends, about our God, those things that make life rich. Marriage and family touch us in a way nothing in creation can. So those of you who have engaged in this, thank you. Those of you that have made this a priority, thank you. I'd like to ask the moms again to stand and we're going to bless them. One of the, and in the, those of you that are watching uh, in the, um, campuses too, please stand. And let's say, let's pray a blessing. One of the 10 commandments was to honor moms, right? Dads and moms, but we're honoring moms this morning. And, um, and as we pray, let's ask God to fall upon these ladies. So precious God, who is both father and mother to us, fatherhood and motherhood come out of you. Thank you that as these gals stand before you, they stand as ones who are honored, as ones who don't have to be ashamed of their differences, um, can be who they are and feel in their heart to be, and that your smile is on them for the choice that they've made concerning bringing children into the world. We ask you to bless them. 
We ask you to soothe those who have hearts to be mom but were never able to have children in our context here. That you'll find, help them find ways to express motherly expressions in other contexts, whether that's in discipleship or friendship or uh, adoption, whatever. Bless them. We pray for those that have lost children through miscarriage or through abortion or who feel deep pain in moments like this as women heal them. And then we pray for those who, of us who have lost our moms to eternity, maybe very recently, and this may be our first mom's day without mom. We pray that uh, you will hold them until we get to see them again. But all in all, God, our cry is that we might glorify you as a people. And glorifying you as a people means we step up into these, these, these places that are part of the human condition. Parenting, being a mother, being a wife. God asks you to strengthen and bless that we might bring glory to you. It was Irenaeus who said that the glory of God is a person fully human. This is part of that. Help us be fully what you've called us to be. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord and everyone said, amen. amen. Happy Mom's Day, give them a hand. Thank you, Bishop Ed. I'm gonna invite our ushers here and at our campuses to get ready to come forward now and get ready to serve communion. This is the time that we are going to celebrate this wonderful grace that we talk about, God's unending love and care for all of us. This is where we reflect on what Christianity really centers on, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His body was broken for us so that we could be made whole. His blood was shed so that we could have forgiveness of sins. And the visual of what happens during communion is really rather powerful as we, as we take in the bread and we take in the wine, reflecting of the fact that we're taking Christ into our lives. Christianity is about receiving Christ, about his life, his transforming power. If you have never done that before, uh, maybe you've been here for a long time and have never truly surrendered your heart, maybe your first time visitor, and, and this is the first time you've actually even heard a message like this, I'm going to invite you to join with us today as we take communion, and I'm going to pray a prayer with all of us, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me as we enter this time of grace about receiving this wonderful gift that has been given for us. Let's bow our heads together and, and pray together. Lord Jesus, I gladly receive you into my life. May your transforming grace, that grace that brings value to all, may that grace fill me this day. Amen.